Making sure Greg's got time to greet everybody. You got that? Stand up. Go ahead. Say hi. <laughs> Let's pray together. Lord, your words today. This is your message for us, certainly for me, but not my message for your people. It's yours. So I want to say what you want me to say. I want to say it with the cadence, the timber, the passion, the demeanor, with the right pauses. If there's indignation necessary, Lord, I want people to see it's not mine, it's yours. And if there's just grace and mercy you want poured out, then it's grace and mercy I want them to see and hear in me. Lord, your word's not mine. If there's something I plan to say you don't want me to say, you know I don't want to say it. Convict me of it. But Lord, if there's something that I don't have planned that you want said, I want to say it. So that people see and hear, understand and feel what you want them to see, hear, understand and feel. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. Those of you joining us via live web stream, um, welcome. If you're normally someone who attends here and you're joining us via the web, uh, awesome. I'm glad we have the technology. If you're someone that's checking it out, not quite sure about us, um, everyone else is normal. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little weird. Um, they can all attest. That's why they're laughing. Uh, but we'd love to have you come join us in person sometime so that we can shake your hand and you can determine for yourself if we believe what we claim to believe. Um, folks, today is uh, John, not me, but John is poking at people. I'm not going to give you the background on one John again. If you're interested in that and you want to know what the split that's going on in that particular church uh, I encourage you to look online at last week's message and look at the first 10 minutes of it. I did a pretty good job, not a great job, but a pretty good job of summing up the, the dissension, the factions, and the kind of party spirit. Not party like, not, but more like a, almost like a political party or a denominational uh, party that was taking place in that particular church in the province of Asia. So uh, we are going to talk about this. I want you to know a couple of things going in. One, uh, at the end of 1 John 1, or 1 John 1, that's last week's chapter, John is primarily communicating to the Gnostics. They weren't a full-blown movement yet, but he was primarily telling them and trying to show them that you can't believe one thing and behave a different way. So that was the primary concentration in, in 1 John 1. 1 John 2, he's primarily talking to the people that are, most of them are more like the people that are sitting here. People that have an orthodox view, uh, uh, a biblical view of the Christian faith. And, uh, but, but they've kind of gotten, they kind of spun off on how they look at, treat, and, and consider other people. So my job today is to do what John did. And I'm going to poke at you. And I hope, and I pray, and have been praying that today you will leave and most, many or most of you will say something like this inside. You won't say it outside because you're afraid the other Christians will judge you for it. Um, come on, that was a little true. <laughs> I hope that you'll say, I do not like the true things you're selling, say, saying to me right now. I hope that there's a little poke. We just sang a song that said, break every chain, break every chain. And the man, she can bring it. <laughs> 
I just passion, passion, passion. And then we pray and then we sing and pray, all the earth will shout your name. All the earth will shout your name. And we want that to be true and we want it to be true in us. But do you want your chains broken? Truly. Not just the ones you know you have, but what about the ones you don't know you have? There was a cartoon when I was growing up, Foghorn, Leghorn, anyone remember that? Okay, and remember the little weasel? Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember that guy? And then there was the dog. And there's the chicken hawk. I'm a chicken hawk. I'm a chicken hawk. I'm going to get me a chicken. But there was the dog. Now, the dog never understood. Now, I'm sorry for those of you millennials. It's back in the Looney Tune era. Um, not the Animaniacs. I don't have a, I don't have a connection there. Um, but there was this dog that was always trying to get Foghorn Leghorn. And Foghorn Leghorn would put a chain around his neck. He didn't even necessarily know it. And he would taunt him and taunt him and taunt him until he ran out after him. And then he, ah! you know, and, he, and then he'd paint his tongue with paint. I don't know why. The dog didn't know he had a chain, or he did know it, but he ignored it, and he came to his limit, and it just about choked him. We've all seen dogs, poor dogs, have to go through this, that you chain them up to a tree, and they chase after a car, and they get, well, folks, I'm going to tell you that there's some chains that we have around our necks that we don't recognize, and I'm going to do my best to point out at least one of them today. John points it out to me. Um, I had a, a very small but very poignant experience this, this, this last week, and I'm going to share that with you. Um, but before that, I'm going to read these passages. We're going to be in 1 John 2, 1 through 11. I'm going to skip the kind of poetic piece there. We're going to go to 15 through 17. I encourage you to read the whole chapter. It's excellent work. Uh, John being an apostle, having, been re- having received this special revelation from God, it's phenomenal. Uh, but I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to tell you a story that's not true, but I'm going to tell, like, tell it to you like it is, okay? So you know going in. reads like this. My dear children, I write to you, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice of our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is John. He's the same one that wrote in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Now again, John is consistent. John 14, 15, Jesus says this, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Now, we don't like that idea of obey, especially in our culture. You know, we're self-determined people. So we obey, obey. That sounds awful. That's what your parents tell you when you're three. But the idea of obedience in Christ is out of gratitude in your hearts to God and having been transformed in mind and soul and spirit that you will want to be like Jesus was. But if you look at that verse in John 14, 15, that says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command, flip it around. If I'm not looking for all of his commands because I love him and try to find a way to, to be in obedience to his commands, then I'm saying to him, I don't love you. John, consistent, we know that we have, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says... I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. 
This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message that you have heard. You are yet, yet I am writing you a new command. The truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Now, here's what he means. It gets a little confusing in the Greek grammar too, but here's what he means. I'm not giving you a new command, but an old one. It was, you know, it's been there from the beginning. What is what, is the, what are the Ten Commandments about? Love God, right? One, two, and three. Take a break. Number four, love others. So what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That has been from the beginning. That has been God's desire. It has been God's plan. It has been God's, uh, his message to us. Love me above everything else and that will make you capable of loving others and loving yourself. The, the new command, that's the old one, but the new command is that prior to Jesus coming with skin on, God in flesh, the Emmanuel, prior to that, we only had theoretical, theological, or maybe sociological uh, clues as to what that meant, not what it means theoretically, but what it means in living it out. And the people of God, time and time and time and time and time again, either turned away from God, and so they ended up turning away from people, or they turned away from people, so they ended up turning away from God. If you want to know if you love God, look at how you're treating others. If you want to know if you love others, look at how you view God. It is the command from the beginning. The difference is, is that prior to Jesus coming, it was ethereal, theoretical, theological, maybe sociological. But when Jesus came, God in a bod, and we now have someone that can touch us and that we can touch, someone that can, will love us and that we can love, someone who understands and can identify with our pain, our suffering, our frustration, our hurt, our heartaches, the betrayals in our lives. And not only that, God in a bod, God, the, the, the hypostatic union, Jesus, fully divine, fully human, showed us how God wants us to treat other people. He loved the unlovable. He stopped huge crowds to care for one person. He, he, he changed his eternal agenda in John chapter 2 to just make sure that a wedding came off without a hitch. God shows us. That's the new, the old and the new, it's the same. But we have evidence in the person of Christ that shows us how to and what to do. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother... Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. Yep. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light. There's nothing in him to make him stumble. Now, I just want you to know Probably more information than you want. Preachers get all crazy about this stuff. That last sentence that I just read, uh, whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. Grammatically, it's ambiguous. It reads, the, the NIV translators had to, make, had to make a decision here. So there's nothing in him to make him stumble, but it could be a modifier. It could modify just as easily, perfectly, makes perfect sense in the, in the Greek to say, and there's nothing in him that would cause his brother to stumble. 
I think that John is amazing, and I think he's very, he means what he's writing. And in Greek, I, he probably means it to mean, he probably intends it to mean both. So anyone, whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there's nothing in him that will make himself stumble or make his brother stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. And if you want to know what that is like, ask Pastor Greg today. This morning he woke up. It was really dark. And he picked his work in the yard shoes. (laughs) No one would notice, but now you will. (laughs) So I just did not love my brother. I'm sorry. Now let's move over to, to verse 15. Uh, do not love the world. Now this is, this is where we're headed today, okay? Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust in his, of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has or does, has and does, comes, from, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but a man who does the will of God lives forever. Now, this can be a little confusing because John, the same author here, he says, for God so loves the world that he gave. And then it says, don't love the world. But we're supposed to walk as Jesus did. Now, he's a Greek. He's speaking in Greek in the common language of the day, and he's a Hebrew scholar. So there's the world that God loves, Everything that has matter, everything that can be seen, everything that can be touched, everything that can be observed in the universe back to the beginning of time, all, and even, even Noah, and, and God says over and over, every living creature. So it's not just people, it's all, it's all of creation that God loves. And he loves people who don't love him. But those who do love him, he's transformed and he says we, he doesn't want us behaving, giving our affections, our will, our desires to the things that do not reflect his glory and do not reflect the fact that we've been renewed, we've been transformed by the renewing of our mind, the transformation of our hearts, and the eternal address change of our souls. So he says, do not love the world or anything in it. Let me tell you a story. Not true. It's the last time I'll say it. A couple weeks ago when Andrew was preaching in the earlier service, the sanctuary here, there was a woman before the service that was walking around the commons area. She came in, A, B, C, D, that, the big overhang area, right? She walks in. And even, even Tom Wenzel, who's always out there, wasn't sure whether he should greet her or not. See, she, she, she was kind of gross. He didn't smell very good. She's probably in her late 20s, early 30s, but she looked more like 40, 50. She's lived kind of hard. Um, obviously had not bathed in days, maybe weeks. You could smell it, and you've been there, right? You've been next to someone standing in line at the Secretary of State's office or something where there's just that, that reek. And so she works her way back over there, and she comes over, and she gets a cup of coffee. She even goes in the other room and gets a, a donut or a bagel, and then finds her way back in the commons area here, and the service has started, and Andrew's up here preaching, and, and no one really knows what to do. It's a little awkward. But this audacious young lady walks down the aisle, the middle of the message, and sits right there. And someone in the back reached out to one of our elders, said, 
You need, you need to do something about that. And he did what every good elder should do. He, and he walked down that aisle. He's going to make sure she knows how she's supposed to behave. And he sat right down next to her. And he praised God with her. And he walked her out later. He even offered to take her to lunch. Now, I know you would have done the same thing. But what if that same person knocked on your door? Your dorm room. Saw you on campus or sat down next to you. Doesn't know that when there's a table and you're the only one at it, it's simpatico coffee. When you're sitting there all by yourself and you've got your earbuds in, you're on your computer, you got work to do. You're, no one's supposed to come in and sit opposite you at the same table. They don't know. So this woman comes up to you and sits down and she, she doesn't look right. She doesn't smell right. She certainly doesn't talk right. She's dropping F-bombs all over the place. And I know that you would buy her a cup of coffee, that you would engage her in conversation. You would offer to find a hotel room for her for the night because it's getting cold out. And you'd even make sure she had a gift card so she could buy more food and maybe some clean clothes. But if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't invite her into your home, give her a place to stay, feed her, and let her have an opportunity to shower and engage her in conversation, if you wouldn't, I'm going to ask you why. It's not a true story. Is it because you don't know how to respond and react or, or, or be in, in, in relationship with someone who you don't get, you don't understand? Is it because you're afraid she might take your stuff? See, if I don't engage someone like that, and that's an extreme story, then I love the world or at least something in it because I have not been transformed by the renewing of my mind. My heart has not been transformed. My life has not truly been transformed because I look at someone who's not like me and I decide I don't want to be inconvenienced by them. Now, I'm going to ask you, what if God had the same attitude? What if God had criteria set up for us that before he would engage us, before he would come to us, before he would give us anything, for God so loved the world, he gave himself. Before he did that, what if there were criteria that needed to be checked off? You know what the criteria in Scripture, the criterium, the one in Scripture? Perfection. So if God wants us to walk like he does, and he does not require us to be like him before he loves us and is in relationship with us, then if we don't behave that way toward others, then we love something other than God first. Now, our culture is this. For those of you in your 40s and up, listen up. For those of you 40s and under, give me two minutes, and I'll, I'll try my best to get to you. 40s and up, you know what cable channel you watch for news, Right? There's those that lean left. They don't lean left. They fall left. And those that lean right. They fall right. And they give their guy or gal a pass, but they hold every little word, every little mistake, every, every little mis, 
misspoken thing, every misquote, they hold it against them and they're never going to let it go. Same on this side. These folks, social justice. God loves the beaten down, and he does in his scripture. Individual rights, self-determination. It's not about collectivism or tribalism. It's about everyone stands on his own or her own two feet. We need to lift people up. We don't need to lift anybody up. We need to teach them how to lift themselves up. You see? If you argue a point, you never argue it because you believe you're wrong. Do you agree? If you show righteous indignation, you don't think that you're doing an unholy thing. But once I decide that people that don't agree with me are wrong or evil, and I show anger or mistrust or doubt in their motives, I now love something other than God first. So if you find yourself politically, people 40 and over, people 40 and under, and I'm not one of you, so I might get these wrong, but I hope that you'll take this and, and work it out. If you only listen to the people in the groups that you agree with on social media, if you see something that someone says online and you decide that you don't know them, you've never met them, but boy, are you going to rip them? In? As if they don't have feelings then you're no different than the church that John is writing to. The Gnostics, the people who don't believe in the need to be transformed or by, to forgiveness of sins, but just you have to be enlightened, you have to know the right things. And the people on the other side that, know, that, 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 that are all about how we behave, but they're judging those. I mean, after church, they're kind of going, can you believe those people and what they think? They think that they have all this special knowledge and, and, and they don't know that Jesus actually died for them, that he came in flesh. How dare them? And these people are going, these folks, I have no idea. They're all caught up in what they do and what they say and how they behave. And don't they know that it's special knowledge that comes from the Spirit? They judge one another. If you claim to have the love of God and hate your brother, you're a liar. So I'm going to ask you, like I did last week with those who are considering Christianity, those who are seeking things out, those who aren't quite sure about the, those who are being more Gnostic. I challenge you if you're here or if you if you're online to seek the truth, to be intellectually honest, to actually look and, and study, not trust what someone else has told you, but look at it for yourself. Read, seek, learn, be able to show us how wrong we are by looking at the scriptures themselves. I'm going to ask the same thing of the Christians today, to be intellectually honest, to examine your heart and realize maybe that there's a chain around your neck that's going to choke you till you're dead. Because he says, John says, that if you, if you, if you love the world or anything ever, the love of God is not in you. And I don't want that for you. And God doesn't want that for you. John doesn't want that for you. And you don't want that for you. So ask yourself a question. 
those that you spend time with, those that agree with you, it's idealism and great ideals are wonderful. It would be a terrible world if we were like, oh, whatever. Have your ideals. But please look at those around you and look at yourself. Did those around you live by the ideals they set for everyone else? Or is there political posturing? Is there power seeking? Is there gossip and judgment of people that don't look like or sound like or believe like you believe? Because if those ideals are real, the world should get better. I'm 51 years old. I was on spring break, spring break baseball practice, and I came home, and on one of the three channels on television, I found out that Ronald Reagan had been shot. And that took over the newscast about the new ice age that was coming. That's what we were all scared about in 1982, one, two, the new ice age, the world's going to freeze. And these people are doing it, and those people are doing it. We're all angry with each other. Evidently, we did a great job of correcting that problem. Because <laughs> now we're worried it's going the other way. Now, I'm not getting into that. I'm not a scientist. Okay, I'm not. But I just want you to know that no matter what is out there, if you're depending on people other than Christ and his redemption to satisfy and make world, the world better, then it should be better by now. It will never give you that which you seek. It will disappoint you. It will make you angry and bitter. And if you hang around with the people that, that agree with you and they end up winning, you will just be a little less angry and a little less bitter, but you'll still be judging the people on the other side because they didn't get their way. And you'll do a little bit of this. Neener, neener, neener. I'm going to tell you, folks, God's not kidding around. Be intellectually, sociologically, psychologically honest. Where is it that you love something that's less than God more than God? Last night I watched 10 testimonies from Jewish people that had been converted to, converted to Christianity. One of them, I just thought she was amazing because she had gone so idealistic that she wanted to be a, a, a Marxist. And they were going to have this utopian view of the world. And she looked around and she got honest with herself and she said, the people that have these ideals aren't living like they care about other people. And she goes, we're all broken. Something's messed up. And if, if we're all broken, we're never going to provide, we're never going to get out of it what we want for it. And then, so she started looking at something more. And three of these t 10 testimonies, the people said, I, I, I decided that I'm going to examine not the Christian Bible, but my Bible, the Jewish Bible. So the Old Testament, they're going to they're they're carefully examine the Hebrew scriptures and find out if Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah, is real. And if he's real, he should be found in the Old Testament. And three of the 10, this is what they landed on. And I'm not going to read the whole passage. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance 
that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows of, and, of, and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, and yet he considered him strict, we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was tr crushed for our iniquities. He was punished. Or the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. This is a woman who was told when she was a child at Christmas time, she in a secular culture, in Christmas time, when just look, they're going to go all Christmassy on you. They're going to sing all that music, but just don't say that name. And she was intellectually honest, and she sought truth, and she found Jesus, the Messiah, in her own scriptures. Now, we love hearing stories like that. But if the advice to someone who is not a follower of Christ is to be intellectually, psychologically, sociologically honest, then the advice is the same for Christians. Do you love something more than you love God? Do you love the world or anything in it? I do. Last week, someone called me they didn't say the word, but they said, you got a really big neck. So they're saying I'm fat. And I am. <laughs> but it still hurts. Someone else said something about what I wear. And then on Monday, I'm sitting with the staff, and there's this young man that's going to come talk to us on Tuesday. And I jokingly, I thought I was jokingly, said, you know, look, he's a millennial. He's going he's gonna to have his pants. They're all tight and short. He's got those boots that come up to right there with no laces. They're brown, light brown with that dark brown on the toe. You know, and look, I couldn't sit down in the pants he was wearing. <laughs> couldn't. Because I have a thick neck. <laughs> and I kind of joking about it, and he showed up. And before he showed up, actually, it might have been after, but... I realized that the very thing that hurt me that someone else had said to me about what I was wearing or how I present myself, I did to another. You know, he's got shoes on that cover his feet. He's got pants on that cover his areas. He's got a shirt on that covers his areas. He's got two eyes, a nose, and a mouth, and he was speaking the words of God. And I had beforehand made sure that everyone else was going to see how I was judging him. And I did it in a way that I felt superior. That's evil. It's small, but it's evil. So folks, ask the Lord to examine your heart with mercy and ask yourself if you're buying into something that's good, but less than God. Because it is only God that can solve the world's problems. It is only Christ and his redemption that can bring together people that now hate each other, but someday may be in communion. Anything short of that will lead you to anger, bitterness, and disappointment. That is the only thing. If you're waiting for politics to solve your problems, folks, it's not going to happen. And you can be angry with me for that because pastors aren't supposed to talk about politics. That's okay. Bring it. And I will do my best to love you even if you slam me. 
Why? Because anyone who claims to have the love of God must walk as Jesus did. I fail. But I hope I'd sit down with that young lady who didn't come to our church. I hope you would invite her into your home. But more than that, I hope that you can see the people that disagree with you and realize that God disagreed with you and he came to you. So instead of being angry and frustrated and hurt with a Christian who sins against you, go to them and say, this is the biblical expectation. This is my experience. Help me out. Because they seem to differ. Help me see what I'm missing. Because that's not judging. That's loving. What do you love? Now, what should you love? What do you love, really? Let's pray. Lord, with mercy, show me, show us what we love. And if we find something, if you show us something, call us to confession to tell you what you already know, to call us to repentance. And then, Lord, give us the assurance, as 1 John 2 tells us, that you'll forgive us. And then give us the courage to look at other people, even our enemies, the way you look at us, so that we can walk as you did. We pray these things in the name of, for the sake of, and because of Jesus, the Lamb of God. Amen. Two quick announcements. Number one, if you're coming to the marriage thing, it's long and there'll be an intercession. So if you want goodies, bring some money for concessions. Number two, um, high school group, the retreat is, was supposed to get back about one o'clock today. They're running early. It looks like they'll be back 12, 15-ish. So if you're, if you're not getting individual texts uh, and you show up and there's no one here, it's Kurt's fault. Okay. Now, last thing, last little bit. If I mistreat someone as a Christian, if I treat them in a way other than Christ would treat them, I'm actually breaking a commandment. Not just the great commandment, the love others as you love yourself, but the third commandment. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, and the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Because if I'm supposed to walk like he does, I'm supposed to be like him. And if I'm a Christian and I'm misbehaving or treating someone poorly, anyone, then I'm breaking a commandment. I don't like that. So let's have the courage to be a people that walk as Jesus did. And let's, be, let's have the courage to be a people that will ask God to examine our hearts and show us where we love something that's less than God, like it's more than God. Because only God and his redemption can make this world better. And anything we get caught up in that's less than that will disappoint not only ourselves, but it will do harm to others, just like what was going on in the church in the province of Asia. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord, that's God, turn his face toward you, smile at you, and give you peace. And all of God's people say, amen. amen. Go with and in the peace of Christ.